Welcome to the Just Solutions podcast from Free Speech TV. I'm Maeve Conran, and on today's show, we turn our attention to Florida. Governor Ron DeSantis is rarely out of the national news, from signing bills that restrict discussions on gender and sexual orientation and race in public schools, to efforts to restrict abortion access. Now, a new congressional map, which was proposed by DeSantis himself, will dilute the power of black voters in the state. Our guest today is Dwight Bullard, former state senator and now senior advisor to Florida Rising. That's one of the groups that's filed a lawsuit challenging Florida's new congressional map. So what's happening in Florida and why should the rest of the country be paying attention? From Free Speech TV, Just Solutions. Now, in the introduction, we outlined some of the more recent bills signed by DeSantis, in addition to the redistricting. But going back, you know, even last year and prior to that, there were even more bills that are very much just attacking progressive values and and free speech. And we'll talk about those in just a minute. But I do want to start with this discussion about what's happening with redistricting, because as we are finding out, this is part of an effort to create even more barriers for voters who want to engage in the democratic process. So take us through exactly what is happening right now. I know a lawsuit is now you know, in play as well, but what is this redistricting map that DeSantis is backing? Well, just so viewers understand this, every 10 years we have the census here in the United States. And then a year to two years after that, each state has to go through this process known as reapportionment and redistricting, meaning that Uh, whether it's an independent committee or the state legislature has to draw the maps based on population. And so uh, our state legislature uh, in our constitution is tasked with uh, the drawing of these maps for the state house, state Senate and Congress. Uh, Florida gained an additional seat this year because our population grew. And so now we have 28 congressional seats. Uh, We also passed in 2010 uh, uh, an addition to our constitution known as fair districts, which required that the legislature uh, make sure that there were protections, uh, make sure that there was something as close to parity, um, because we are a 50-50 state here in Florida, um, that you have Democratic seats, uh, Republican seats, and then uh, seats that do not sway either party, but are competitive for both uh, both entities. And so the state legislature drew those maps. They did their job. Um, the governor has veto power o- over only one of those maps, and that's the congressional map. And so Governor DeSantis vetoed the map that was produced by the state legislature during uh, our regular session, brought uh, the legislate legislators back to Tallahassee in a special session um and instead of drawing a new map uh as they are required to do they abdicated that to governor DeSantis, who drew a very biased uh very racially uh racially charged map because under our constitution florida has what's known as protected seats uh because of the history of not having uh black representation in congress so um In 1992, the first maps to allow Black congresspeople to serve had been drawn. There's been a growth uh, of that population since. So we started off with three members 
expanded to four, and now we have five. Uh, Governor DeSantis's map cuts that in half. The four uh, Democratic-leading Black congressional districts were going to be chopped down to two, um, thus cutting Black representation in Congress in half. Um, I've gone on record as saying that this is, in fact, racist by its definition. Uh, he used the power of his office to diminish uh, and regress uh, Black uh, representation in Congress. And by that act, that act is, in fact, racist. And so uh, I've made no bones about calling the governor out for what he actually is. Can you explain a little bit more about what those protected seats mean um, in terms of representation for Black communities? Does it mean that these are communities that are overwhelmingly um, Black constituents, or does it mean that it's guaranteed that there's going to be a Black representative representing them? What, what does that protected well, status mean? Well, yeah, and I'm, and I'm glad you asked the question, because I think a lot of people make the assumption that these uh, congressional districts are 80 or 90 percent African-American. What uh, by by protected and by black access, this just simply means that uh, these are districts where the percentages could range anywhere from 25 to 45 to maybe even 50 in terms of uh, black constituency in those districts and thus giving at least the opportunity uh, for those historically uh, black communities to elect a candidate of their choice. There's no guarantee that it's going to be a black candidate. But the reality is that we have elected uh, black public officials to serve in Congress. Um, the, the districts in question are currently represented by Congressman Al Lawson uh, and uh, Congresswoman Val Demings. In Northern Florida, which uh, the district spanned from Jacksonville to Tallahassee, um, and then in Central Florida in the Orlando region. You yourself have served in the uh, state Senate in Florida. So you know what it's like to be a black politician, essentially, in this state. Take us back to that. And what was your campaign like, your election process like? And then what was it like to actually serve in the state government in Florida? You know, through, take us through that, through the prism of what we've just talked about, that the fact that these protected seats were created in acknowledgement that there's a history of denying black communities representation in Florida. Yeah, so interestingly enough, my, my time of service in public office had to do with this as well because the Voting Rights Act of 1965 uh, basically held states that had not uh, elected black public officials accountable to do so. And so the state, the state Senate district that I represented although not by any means overwhelmingly African-American, I think uh, the numbers bore out that I had about 28% African-American population uh, in my district, but it was a district that was drawn to make sure that counties that had never elected uh, a black state senator or a black state representative would in some way, shape or form have some level of representation for the, uh, for the black communities within those counties. And so I was honored to serve in that capacity. Uh, I definitely believe uh, my, my time of service was one that was people-centered. Um, you know, I know, you know, we're, we're having a conversation to some degree about race, but it really goes to show you that uh, the African-American experience in this country is very much rooted in the American experience. And so 
I think everyone wants clean water, clean air, uh, affordable place to live, access to healthcare, access to education, um, and and kind of a an overall just life. They want a government that will, uh, you know, protect them when necessary, but also uh, give them the freedoms and the liberties that they that they deserve. I, and I think that's a a universal thread for most folks. So when you see acts uh, like what Governor DeSantis is doing, it literally strikes at the core of people's basic expectation of what government should be. Not overreaching uh, a just government. That is what folks want. And the idea that any one individual will use the power of his position to put uh, another group of people in harm's way or to create more barriers uh, towards the basic needs uh, that they need uh, shows you a lack of leadership on the part of Governor DeSantis. I would like to say I was the antithesis of that. I was uh, all about building coalitions. I have multiple examples of, uh, you know, folks who are not like-minded coming together around issues uh, that concern children or that concern the best interests of Floridians. And so it would be hopeful that anyone who uh, tries to aspire to be governor or president of the United States would be uh, similar in mindset to want to want to at least in their best efforts bring the state or the country together and not uh, rip it further apart. Well, now you're with Florida Rising, and I know that's part of a movement of rising groups in mainly southern states that really have emerged in the wake of what Stacey Abrams experienced some years ago and then her work. And so much of that was focusing on voter suppression and how those voter suppression tactics really particularly impacted voters of colour. But when we get back to the redistricting, of course, voting access is crucial to that. But I know that redistricting also impacts resources going to districts, the money that will be available for you know public facilities. And I know Florida Rising is, has a huge campaign right now trying to educate people about the huge importance of redistricting. Of course, voting rights, but talk about some of those other issues as well. Yeah. So when you're talking about congressional representation, you're talking about millions, if not billions of dollars uh, from the federal government trickling back down into the states. These are for things like uh, public transportation, for, uh, you know, health care benefits for the elderly and the young and the in- indigent, uh, resources coming in uh, for, you know, in the form of uh, institutional support for universities and schools. And so when you do not have the right mix of people up in uh, Washington advocating for that, uh, you start to lose those resources. Um, And so, of course, a lot of the work that Florida Rising is doing is uh, really trying to dig into uh, what have been historically marginalized communities that have not had the best uh, representation, have not had the best access to remind them why their vote, why their participation in the small d democracy that we live in is critical to their very existence. A lot of people kind of get turned off by the notion of politics, which I get when someone uh, is doing the exact opposite of what they're of what they're saying. Um, that can be irritating at times and folks want to withdraw from that. But our argument is that by that very notion that someone is not being a representative of uh, your needs is when you need to dig in even deeper and move even further and be more dynamic in your 
about your participation in this thing called democracy. This is an experiment. It's been an experiment, you know, since 1776. Um, um, and it's been exclusionary, unfortunately, of a number of folks. And so for those communities that have felt that exclusion, Florida Rising wants to lean in um, and make sure that they understand that they are important to this process and are as important as anyone else. So it has nothing to do with wealth or wealth access, it has to do with you as an individual having that uh, right to vote, using it, and then using your 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 mouth, your 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 technology, your feet to advocate uh, for the best interests of your communities. You know, we've seen that happen in places like Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Arizona, uh, and so many other states. And so we're happy to be part of a larger, uh, you know, national network of folks who are out here really trying to do the work to make sure that communities understand that they are the battery in the back of democracy. Well, I definitely want to talk about how what's happening in Florida impacts what's happening in the rest of the country. But just briefly, Dwight, what is happening now with the redistricting and the legal challenge to that? Yeah, so uh, Florida Rising, uh, as well as a number of other groups, have joined in on a lawsuit that basically calls to task uh, the governor uh, for what he's done. Um, and we understand that, as, as I mentioned before, uh, what he did was... Uh, outside the normal uh, space of what he's, uh, the normal scope of work that he's uh, normally charged with. Moreover, it again uh, does not uh, reflect uh, what we know uh, a legal map to be in the state of Florida. And so that's really the base of our lawsuit is that the governor uh, went uh, beyond the pale in terms of uh, what his role as an executive official should be, and then moreover, violated our state constitution as well as the Voting Rights Act in the uh, presentation of this map that, and just so folks understand the math, as I mentioned before, the goal is to get as close to parity as possible in a state where, uh, you know, you have a 50-50 split roughly, or actually a 33-33-33 split between Republicans, Democrats, and non-party affiliate folks. Um, and his map gives 20 seats to Republicans and eight seats to Democrats, which is uh, a clear, in our opinion, clear violation of the Voting Rights Act and our state constitution. You're listening to the Just Solutions podcast from Free Speech TV. Our guest today is Dwight Bullard with Florida Rising. That's one of the groups that has filed a lawsuit challenging the state's new congressional map. Find out more at floridarising.org and find out more about this show and watch past episodes at freespeech.org. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Well, that's something I want to talk about now, Dwight, why what's happening in Florida is so significant to the rest of the country. And, and some of the bills that we mentioned, the Don't Say Gay bill, which basically bans the discussion or in gender identity or sexual orientation in public schools, um, the Stop Woke Act, which targets 
teaching of race or discussions of race, not just in public schools, but in uh, work situations. There are so many things. And even last year in 2021, there was a HB1 that targeted protests that made uh, even greater penalties for people essentially involved in protests. There's example after example of these bills that attack civil liberties. Of course, the anti-abortion bill that's just been passed as well. We're seeing some copycat bills now leaking out into other states. An example of that is in Ohio, considering a similar to the Don't Say Gay bill. But what is the impact when we have legislation being passed in a state like Florida on, on the rest of the country when we are seeing so many copycat bills popping up and also such a, a similar organizations supporting them in different state houses? Well, it shows you the unfortunate power of organized money, right, is that you have uh, these very right-wing, very um, violent, in, in my opinion, organizations that are in support of legislation that really undermines, uh, you know, the very fabric of who we are uh, as as human beings, right? The the root notion of being humane um, and treating uh, our neighbors as ourselves, right? And so when you see uh, bills like uh, Don't Say Gay or Stop Woke, um, not only uh, is Florida really kind of a uh, testing ground for some of this bad policy? But once it passes here, it ends up trickling down into other states. Florida is the third largest state in the country. Um, and as a result, uh, other smaller states look to Florida and say, well, if, it, if, if a, a place that has, you know, all these beaches and Disney World and all these uh, all these great amenities is passing such corrosive legislation, then for us in a state where we're already actively oppressing our electorate shouldn't be, you know, a big deal, right? And we really have to stop that 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 conversation from taking place. We have to really do away with that notion because what we're finding is that uh, these these bills, as they're not only being duplicated in other places, are putting entire communities in danger. I mean, think about the notion of why uh, there has been uh, a gay and lesbian rights movement in this country is because uh, you you know you were having cases of high rates of suicide, depression, etc. Because folks could not live as their true selves, and so now that you are limiting the the notion of conversation in schools. So what then is a, a child who's now discovering that they are uh, same gender loving? Uh, what are they to do now in a space that does not allow them to be who, who they are? It, it really goes against what we talk about in terms of school, where we expect our children to discover themselves in these places. We want our children to, you know, enjoy athletics, to enjoy the notion of figuring out their own political ideology. So the idea that we're now uh, putting them in a position where they they can't experience who they are um, in, in the fullest sense of the word really does put them in danger psychologically, physically, and so many other spaces. Stop woke at uh, similarly, right? This idea of uh, destroying the, uh, the discussion of race in a world in which literally two years ago, you see uh, a man killed on national television by the name of George Floyd. Um, and it really prompted uh, a necessary discussion around 
how this country treats its marginalized citizens. Um, and so what you saw coming from that was what I viewed as a positive step, businesses, cities, uh, individual community groups now having really robust discussions about uh, the racial dynamics th that that exist in this country. And so the idea that the right would like to to undermine that by trying to pass legislation that now says those discussions are illegal and anyone uh, promoting those discussions should be outed or or fired uh, for, for having these discussions. And we're seeing uh, a, a chilling effect across the country where teachers are now being fired because they're choosing to uh, introduce Toni Morrison books uh, to their students because they're reading books like The Color Purple or The Bluest Eye uh, or, or because, uh, you know, elementary school teachers are bringing bringing books that have been around for decades, like Ezra Jack Keats uh, and other authors that, uh, you know, center Black characters in their books. You're having parents, uh, you know, call these hotlines or send these emails to their state departments of education saying, how dare they be teaching my child about these kinds of things. And it, you know, it, it'd be laughable if it wasn't so dangerous. Um, and, and we as a collective, as a conscious collective, have to be uh, about the business of really pushing back uh, against these uh, absolute threats to our everyday existence. To continue why the rest of the country needs to be paying attention to Florida, I don't think it's a, a surprise for many people to hear that it seems DeSantis has his own presidential ambitions. So how much of what he's doing right now plays into that? Is it part of a broader political strategy? It is absolutely part of a broader political strategy. I mean, uh, we just saw a report that came out yesterday that Florida uh, is now the most expensive state to live in, right? Uh, so we have an affordable housing crisis. You would think when you see a publication like that, that a state leader who cared about his state would say, well, that is the hot button issue that we need to address. We have people that are now being forced out of their homes because uh, landlords are, are jacking up their rents by 30, 40, 50 percent, you know, from year to year. Folks that are now having to live in motels, folks that are now having to live in their cars, not because they don't have a job, but because their job doesn't pay them enough to live in a state that's becoming increasingly more expensive. You would think that would be the priority. You would think in a state where uh, one out of six people, uh, you know, who should have a greater access to health care are finding themselves dying because of limited access to resources around around healthcare access uh, would be a priority. You would think in a state, again, that suffers uh, from climate change in, in multiple facets, whether it be sea level rise uh, to a rising heat index, that you might prioritize those things. But when you're auditioning to be president, or more importantly, the president of the far right extremists, um, you do things like this. You, you engage in these unnecessary pieces of legislation to throw red meat at the base that you hope will, uh, you know, move you past former President Trump into uh, into the, the, the next stratosphere of uh, aggressive 
right-wing, anti-democratic uh, presidents that seem to be coming out of one section of, of our country. And so again, for folks who believe in the notion of democracy, whether, whether it be theoretically or just in the core of your belief that uh, we are truly a, a government that should be by the people and for the people, then you have to be watching and paying attention to the moves of Ron DeSantis because he is auditioning to be president of the United States. These, these bills that he's signing, you know, they aren't in any way indicative of the makeup of Florida. I mean, Florida has is one of the leading states in terms of number of pride festivals in the country, right? So why would you then sign a, a bill that, that, that strikes at the heart uh, of the gay and lesbian community? Florida has a, a a rising population of black and brown people that, again, uh, in the next 10 years, uh, Florida will be a quote unquote minority majority state. Uh, so why is Stop Woke is something you're, you're doing if you if you see the tide changing, unless you're trying to send a message to folks uh, in these in, in other states like Iowa, New Hampshire, uh, that you are trying to preserve, protect. Um, and and take America uh, back to a place where those communities uh, were unfortunately not protected and, and not represented uh, to, a, to a very dark day uh, in, in the American past where, uh, you know, black and brown people, gay and lesbian folks, marginalized communities could not show up uh, and participate in this thing called government. And so that is what Ron DeSantis hopes to do. And he's hoping that his appeal to you will be enough to put him uh, in striking distance of the White House. Well, we just have a couple of minutes left, White. But do you think what's happening now with Disney and the efforts for by Florida to remove their special district status, you know, being in the crosshairs of such a huge international corporation, is things like, you know, will things like that make any kind of a difference? Well, this is a message, you know, he's sending a clear message to Disney and other uh, corporate interests that, you know, if if it's true that your money can can move mountains, then he's saying to you, uh, in essence, screw you, you know. And so for those corporate interests out there uh, that think he's somehow going to play nice uh, if you uh, are, are more restrictive, you got another thing coming. And so what I'd say to those corporate interests that are out there. Join the side, be on the right side of history with organizations like Florida Rising and others fighting to preserve and save democracy and save, you know, the state of Florida and the country from itself, from its from its worst self um, and and join forces with us because we collectively can push back against this. It doesn't have to be this way. And we have to uh, fight for what is right. And for people to follow what's happening with redistricting, because that ties in so well with what you were just saying there about how there's a very different makeup of Floridians than maybe is being represented by these elected officials. Of course, so much of that goes back to redistricting. The website floridarising.org, I know, has a lot of information. Is that a good place to follow what's happening with this lawsuit, trying to block us? Absolutely. Absolutely. Please uh, do look us up on floridarising.org. We encourage folks to join us, become members, uh, even if you don't live in Florida and want to to help uh, engage in the fight in Florida, I definitely encourage you to do so. I would also say the same thing for 
the freedom fighters in other states, whether it be New Georgia Project, Lucha in Arizona, Detroit Action in Michigan, and so many others that are that are doing this great work. But I would also encourage you all to check us out on social media, FL Rising, at FL Rising on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. Uh, you got to get into this fight with us. Um, we uh, are we outnumber uh, the worst of us. I do firmly believe that, but we do have to show force in this moment that uh, the good do uh, outweigh the evil. Dwight Bullard with Florida Rising. It's been great to have you as our guest on Just Solutions. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Dwight Bullard is a former Florida state senator, and now he's with Florida Rising, one of the groups that has filed a lawsuit challenging the state's new congressional map. You've been listening to the Just Solutions podcast from Free Speech TV. You can watch past episodes of the show at our website, freespeech.org, engage with us on social media and join the conversation to let us know your thoughts. Hashtag Just Solutions at Free Speech TV. Subscribe to this podcast and never miss an episode. For Free Speech TV, Just Solutions, I'm Maeve Conran. <laughs>